Topic 24, First Paper of the 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. 20th Century Negro Literature, Topic 24, First Paper by Rev. George F. Bragg, Jr. George Freeman Bragg, Jr., priest and rector, was born in Warrington, North Carolina, January 25, 1863. Shortly after his birth, his parents George F. and Mary Bragg removed to Petersburg, Virginia. It was in this latter place that their son was reared and educated. Remaining there until ordained to the Episcopal ministry, he left to take charge of his first work in Norfolk, Virginia. Mr. Bragg was educated first in the Episcopal Parochial School, then in the St. Stephen's Normal School, and in the Bishop Payne Divinity School, all of Petersburg, Virginia. His education, however, was supplemented by private tuition by a master in languages, under whom he studied Latin, Greek, Hebrew, and philosophy. In 1881, he was appointed a page in the Virginia legislature, and a little later, by the speaker, promoted as the postmaster of that body. In 1882, though not of age, he founded and edited the Virginia Lancet, the first colored weekly published in the Black Belt of Virginia. This newspaper he conducted for some four or five years, and on January 12, 1887, in St. Stephen's Church, Petersburg, Virginia, he was ordained deacon by Bishop Whittle of Virginia. He immediately left for Norfolk, Virginia, where he began his ministry at the head of the little Episcopal mission of that city. He remained in Norfolk for nearly five years, and during that time formally organized Grace Church, secured the lot, built a new church and rectory, and improved the old school building. A very large day industrial school was carried on by Mr. Bragg in connection with his work. While here in June 1887, Governor Fitzhugh Lee of Virginia appointed him one of the state's trustees of the Hampton Normal and Agricultural Institute, where he served for four years, resigning only because of leaving the state. In December 1888, he was advanced to the priesthood by Bishop Whittle in St. Luke's Church, Norfolk, Virginia. In the fall of 1891, he accepted an invitation to become the rector of St. James Church, Baltimore, Maryland. The church, although one of the oldest of the connection, had been very much run down. During a ministry there of ten years, he has wrought a remarkable improvement. He has increased the communicant list from 63 to nearly 200 and advanced the church well nigh to complete self-support. The old church, which was in a Jewish neighborhood, has been sold during the present year and a handsome brick structure erected in another section of the city. Mr. Bragg, during his residence in Baltimore, has founded a splendid charitable institution, the Maryland Home for Friendless Colored Children, and two young men have been sent into the ministry of the church directly through his efforts. For many years, the Reverend Mr. Bragg was secretary of the annual conference of Episcopal Church workers among the colored people, and in addition to his many other arduous labors, he has found time to edit the Afro-American Ledger, a weekly of this city, the Church Advocate, and the Maryland Home Monthly Publications. Mr. Bragg is a well-known figure in all public movements for race amelioration, and is a veteran newspaper man, 
having been secretary of the national press convention for four years beginning with the presidency of the late rev dr w j simmons at first the asking of this question is a most natural one seeing that the great body of negroes are attached to either one of the above churches and it would seem at the first glance that these religious organizations are preeminently suited to the negro race but we hope to show that not only are other churches adapted to the present negro but one of these other churches meets the negro's needs better than either one of those above mentioned of course it is hardly necessary for me to state that our showing is conceived in the very best spirit and with the fullness of christian love towards our baptist and methodist brethren did i not believe that the church of which i am a member is best suited for the negro i would at once renounce attachment thereto and embrace most lovingly the one which i thought more efficiently equipped to minister to the complex and diversified needs of my race on account of the multitude of reasons not necessary to state here negroes naturally drifted into that form of christianity presented by the baptist and methodist churches with the innate feeling and strong tendency to warmth fervor animation and excitement it is not at all surprising that people so strongly emotional should gravitate in that direction whatever may be my own criticisms with respect to the defects in these two systems which render them inferior to the church of which i am a member and therefore less suitable to the needs of the race i much prefer stating my side of the question and leaving my readers free to draw their own conclusions that portion of the universal church known in this country as the episcopal church to my mind is better suited and equipped for the amelioration of the condition of the negro than any other the negro is specially fond of regularity in religious as well as in political affairs in this respect the episcopal church comes to him not as something new but as the living exponent of the old-time religion and the old church which has actually descended to him through all the ages past from the very hands of christ down to the present time it has historic continuity and claims none less than the blessed master as its founder she is not founded upon the bible for she gave to the world this blessed book her sons inspired of god wrote it and the claim of historic continuity can be established and proven in the ordinary way that we attest other historical facts the church then that jesus christ founded and concerning which he said the gates of hell should not prevail against it must of necessity be adapted to the present negro the negro needs the faith once delivered to the saints not in shreds or left to pick it out for himself but the whole faith this the episcopal church offers him a complete faith naturally is to be found in a comprehensive church the episcopal church is the most comprehensive she believes more in turning in than in turning out men are not brought into the fold to be turned out for every little thing but they are brought in to be built up established and rooted and grounded in him the church then is adapted to the present negro because she gives him not opinions and theories but the living faith of the ages and a living christ as potential to-day as when he trod this earth clothed in flesh and this church is the most comprehensive taking in all sorts of conditions of men and by grace dispensed through sacraments ordained by christ himself seeks to bring to the fullness of stature as realized 
in Jesus Christ. The Episcopal Church is preeminently adapted to the present Negro, for the present Negro is most eager to learn, and above all other religious bodies, she is a teaching church. More scripture is read at one Episcopal service than is oft-times read in a month in the services of other churches. She has a liturgy which is the sum total of all that is good and grand in the ages past, and the constant and almost imperceptible influence of her most excellent system of public worship, as indicated in the Book of Common Prayer, silently but effectively issues, in molding and mellowing good Christian character. She teaches not only through the prayer book, but by the yearly round of feast, festival, and fast, of which, like a great panorama, the acts and incidents in the life of her Lord are constantly set forth before those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. More than that, she teaches through symbolism. Many persons, and a considerable number of Negroes are here included, are endowed with but little brain. But they have eyes, and what they take in with their eyes help to rivet and fasten in their memories what they seize upon with what brain they possess. Our children begin to take in the surrounding objects with their eyes long before their minds are sufficiently developed to act, and the same is true in the present matter. The Episcopal Church, therefore, is especially adapted to the present Negro because she is adequately and sufficiently equipped to touch him at that portion of his being which will respond in unison with what she has to offer for his improvement. Her service addresses itself to his natural senses, as well as to his mental powers, however strong or weak they may be. The Episcopal Church is adapted to the Negro because her worship is hearty, beautiful, uplifting, and inspiring, though simple and easy, furnishing the greatest opportunity for active participation therein by the ignorant as well as the learned. The worship of the Episcopal Church harmonizes most beautifully with the strong religious fervor of the Negro and as a vehicle for offering up those intense longings and aspirations of his heart is without an equal. The Episcopal Church is adapted to the Negro because she believes so persistently and thoroughly in a change of heart. Of all religious bodies, not one lays such emphasis on the absolute necessity of a change of heart, as does the Episcopal Church. Stamped upon every page of her divine liturgy, and permeating the beautiful prayers of her offices, and inwrought in her hymnology is the deep and firm recognition and teaching with respect to a change of heart all her sacraments disciplinary offices instructions and the like are with the design of helping her children through the aid of the divine spirit improving the genuineness of their change of heart by a conspicuous powerful and beautiful change of life the episcopal church is adapted to the negro because she offers a government that is congenial and pleasant to his sunshiny nature, and which, while it amply protects him in the enjoyment of all the blessed privileges of religious culture, saves him the disaster and confusion of a democracy, which, when realized, is but another name for anarchy and confusion. The government of the Episcopal Church is jointly shared by her clergymen and laymen, and the stability and security of its government is firmly attested by the past ages of experience and notable achievements. In conclusion, the Episcopal Church is the church for the Negro because she is both willing and able to supply his every need and under her loving nurture and constant training in the end will graduate him into a well-rounded Christian man of symmetrical character and beauty.
End of topic 24, first paper.